You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. I don't think you can truly change for the better in a lasting, meaningful way unless it is driven by self-acceptance. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and it's great to be here with all of you. If you are new to the show, be sure to stay with us during the breaks where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of women leaders. These corporate partners bring news and information from their industries, and we are so grateful for their support of the show. If you're interested in learning more about our on-air contributors or would like to be part of the show yourself, feel free to email taylor at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. Now, I am very honored and excited to welcome to the show this evening, Dr. Joan Fallon. Dr. Joan Fallon is the CEO and founder of CureMark, and she is also the author of Goodbye Status Quo, which we will be talking about. Welcome to the show, Joan. Oh, thank you so much, Sue. I'm honored to be here. It's going to be fun. I, you know, I want the listeners to know we're going to be talking about not only science and autism, but children and sports and all, all good things. Um, and I wanted to start off with a quote because I think this sums up very much who you are. You said, I was always thinking outside the box and wanting to push boundaries. And that, from what I've read, is started very young for you. So my first question was, how did your parents feel about that? Were they supportive of that side of you? That's a great question. Yes, they were extremely supportive. And their philosophy was, A, you can do anything and everything you want to, and B, we'll support you in every way that we can. 
So mm-hmm. when I wanted to play baseball, my father got me a glove and a ball and he, you know, threw the ball to me or whatever it was. And they went way out of their comfort zone to do that in some cases. Yeah. That's awesome. And I always think that um, in particular, a father telling his daughter that she can be anyone she wants to be or do anything she wants to do carries a lot of weight. My dad was the original girl dad. You know, they, they talk about that now. He That's what he was. He went and he fought for me to be in Little League before Title IX um, mm. and, and was right out there, you know, supporting me in my sports and my brother in his, you know, sort of science from a very young age. Mm. I, you know, I played CYO, but I was not an athlete by any measure. <laughs> Tell me why you think um, sports is so important, because I know you just have a love of it and have carried it through as an adult, particularly the Yankees, the New York right. Yankees. Um, but what do you think it is that about helping build confidence in girls that being an athlete does? So I think there's a couple of aspects. One is there's just the pure athleticism, just going out and running around. You don't have to be an athlete to have that kind of, of uh, experience. And then there's the team aspect of it. And I think before Title IX, women have really missed out on working in teams. And um, if you look at the statistics, most of the women's uh, uh, Fortune 500 CEOs have played intercollegiate sports. So that team aspect is really important. Yeah. You know, I have seen that as a commonality among, you know, I've been interviewing women leaders for 10 years and there's a very large percent that were athletes. Yes. Yes. Mary Barra, Jeannie Romney, they they were all athletes. And I think it's 95% of all Fortune 500 CEOs have played um, in a collegiate sports. Yeah. Tell me, what kind of school did you go to? Grade school and high school? So I went to uh, Catholic school. I went to a Catholic grade school, and then I went to a Catholic high school. And the how uh, I live in Westchester, and I went into the Bronx because the school was very highly specialized for academics, and um, I played sports there as well. Uh, the uh, New York City women's basketball was very well developed even back then, and so we traveled around and played the different schools and. And it was run by Ursuline nuns, and Ursuline nuns have a sort of a, a motto or their mission is female education first, Catholic education second. So wow. they were very big promoters of women. Yeah. Um, I know that your your interest and love of medicine and science came at a young age, and I read about um, the story about your cousin giving you a stethoscope. Tell our listeners that story. And and how that impacted you. Yeah. So I, you know, I I had three loves in my life from when I was little, right? It was children, sports, and and medicine and science. And um, my cousin, who's much older, was in medical school. And for my 10th birthday, he brought home a stethoscope for me, like a real cardiology stethoscope. Not a toy one. No, not a toy (laughs) one or the, you know, the kind you can get in the drugstore. This was a real you know, cardiology stethoscope. And it was my prized possession forever. Do you still and have it? I, I, yes, the, the rubber has, you know, since disintegrated some because it's of its age, but yes. And, and it was just, for me, it was like the most wonderful thing. 
Um, if you're just joining us, I'm speaking this evening with Dr. Joan Fallon, the founder and CEO of CureMark. And as I said at the top of the show, Joan, you know, you, you have three loves, um, sports medicine and children. How rewarding is it for you to be working in these three arenas all at once? So I could never have dreamt that they would come together in the way that they have for me. So, you know, when you're little, you want to be a professional athlete. There was no no course for that uh, when I was little. But um, now I get to interact with sports people. Um, we, for example, CureMark sponsors sensory suites at multiple um, minor league uh, stadiums across the country. And so we provide the opportunity for families with children with autism to go and see a game as a family mm. and very difficult at times for them to have an outing where everyone has something to do or enjoys it. But this yes. is something that um, we do it in Brooklyn for the Mets. We do it in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, the Rail Riders for the Yankee AAA and the Tramp, uh, Yankee AA and single A. And, um, and they're very popular. And so I'm able to integrate that. Um, and it's important That's- to me. That's awesome. Did you develop that? Did you come up with that idea? Uh, no, I think that the, the idea had an early genesis, uh, and I was approached um, a couple of years ago by the Brooklyn Cyclones. They were looking for a sponsor, and the gentleman who called me said to me on the phone, you know, we're looking for the sponsor for, you know, the sensory suite. We have this idea. We want to do the sensory suite. We saw it being done in football. We thought it would be great for our stadium but I've been unable to find a sponsor. We want to have someone to sponsor this week for children with autism. I said, you called the right person. Mm. I said, and so together we developed that suite and it's been really successful, a model for other, other clubs. Oh, good. I hope that, you know, expands across the country because that sensory overload is probably the biggest issue for, for uh, people with autism that everything they're sensitive to sights and sounds and, It precludes them from being out in the world sometimes. Yes. So going out to dinner is difficult. Yes. Sometimes. So having a place where everyone has something to do and then they can do it uh, in a safe way and a place where the child doesn't want to flee, it, it's it's very rewarding. And uh, and so they, they fill up quickly and it's uh, something that we're very proud to sponsor. Yeah, love it. Um, Listen, we're going to go into our first break. Stay with us for our watch team, and we will be back with Dr. Joan Fallon, again, the founder and CEO of CureMark and the author of Goodbye Status Quo. We'll be right back. Now the women to watch. Finance Watch. Finance Watch. At Penn Community Bank, we're committed to giving you the tools and resources you need to succeed financially. As women, we're no stranger to managing it all. A household, children, a job, the list goes on and on. But when was the last time you took a close look at your personal finances or your income in comparison to your spending and debts? If you've been putting your budget on the back burner, now is the time to take control. It's important to note that having a budget is not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you're in dire straits or have bad spending habits. It means that you're committed to your financial health. It's simply a tool to look out for yourself. Whether it's in a worksheet or on your computer, a paper in your office, or a simple note in your phone, keep track of your monthly income and your expenses. From your monthly income, determine how much will go towards bills, everything from rent to cell phone. Next, estimate how much you expect to spend in living expenses. 
This is a broad category and ranges from groceries and gas to clothing and entertainment. With whatever is remaining, allocate that money to be deposited into a savings account. Remember, there is no amount too small to save. By having this information readily in front of you, you'll be able to determine where you can cut back and where you could even increase. Budgeting allows you to discover and decide what you value. To learn more, visit PennCommunityBank.com. Penn Community Bank, here we are and here we grow. Women to watch. Sports watch. Hey, everybody, this is Dr. Jen Welker, and you are listening to Sports Watch. You know, truthfully and, and unfortunately, um, in sports, we don't put the same resources to girls. Why? Because there aren't often the same end games, which means there aren't the same dollars um, invested in girls' sports in the feeder system and then all the way up, as we saw play out this year in, in March Madness very vividly um, with the NCAA tournament. And we saw the disparities between um, what the girls were given versus what the boys were given. So why would she see that and think that the world is as viable and puts the same value on her sport participation as the boys do? And so we have to be very um, intentional again. And I will use that word over and over. You'll hear me say it because she isn't going to naturally be socialized as easy into some of these situations as the boys are. So moms and dads, let's be active and proactive in creating the situations where she is coached, mentored, trained in the same way as the boys are. And then the end game become more visible and more viable in terms of what she sees and how women are paid on all playing fields so that her dreams aren't just a dream. They're actually a reality that makes sense and that she is an instrument to success as opposed to being shown that the best way for a woman to be is to be the accessory to the success of someone else. Follow me and all my adventures, or you could say misadventures, on Welter47 on Instagram or at jwelter47 on Twitter. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm speaking with Dr. Joan Fallon, and Joan is the founder and CEO of CureMark, um, which if you're not familiar with it, um, the company develops therapies, novel therapies to treat neurological disease. And um, I want to get right into the company, Joan, because I you know, the work that you're doing is so incredibly relevant and important. I don't really know anyone that doesn't have an autistic child in their family or know of one. And, and us lay folks have so many questions around it. Um, what was the first drug that, that you developed for autism? So we're working on, on that drug right now and, uh, looking to get it approved, you know, in, in short order. Um, and it's an enzyme replacement for children with autism. And uh, we believe that there's a large uh, group of children who will benefit from it. And was, am I right to, you know, what led you to this particular finding was um, the correlation between what children eat and um, how many of those children that are eating very similar foods have autism. And I know that's a simplistic 
idea. No, but great, Oh, that's terrific. Um, so the children with autism have, you know, their symptoms are very varied. So for example, we know that speech impairment or communication impairment is a primary symptom uh, of autism or manifestation, but it looks different in every child. So some children may be able to communicate some verbally, some don't communicate at all verbally. Some have verbal communication, but it may not be meaningful to us um, on the other side of it. Um, and so as you look at the matrix of their, of their uh, symptomatology, it's different child to child. And indeed, they say, if you've seen one child with autism, you've seen one child with autism. But there are similarities. But what was striking to me was their diets. Um, and of course, it's not every child, and I'm making a kind of a generalization. But what we saw was that children with autism have a very self-restricted diet. And now that's what you, they talk about in the literature. So they ate very large amounts of carbohydrate and very little protein. Parents called it a white diet, a tan diet, but when you dissect it, it's high, high, high carbohydrates. And I kept thinking that can't be by chance. That's kind of my out of the box thinking, right? Everyone said, well, it's sensory, it's this, it's that. It's like, no, it's too prevalent, too um, uh, repeatable to be by chance. So I looked at the children and indeed quite, quite a few, like 60% of them had a deficiency in a particular enzyme that digests protein. Mm-hmm. So and that's how I started. So when you look at that, are, are you thinking that autism causes this particular diet or the diet causes or has an effect, you know, um, towards autism? Right. So if you can't digest protein, you're going to stay away from it. So think about uh, having a partially digested piece of meat or something in your in your intestines, it's going to cause distress. A lot of these children have GI distress, and we believe that that the lack of the enzyme actually precludes the digestion of the of the amount of protein that they need to make neurotransmitters and to do other things. And and it's you know it's still you know all of those kinds of things the correlations are. They remain speculative on some level, right? Because, but, but the findings are real, and we did treatment in the clinic, uh, in um, you know clinical trials, and uh, have found there to be uh, a great efficacy. So, Joan, I have been reading a lot myself about the connection between the gut and the brain, and we've talked about it on the show, um, and and I've wondered why it's taken so long to see a connection and, and dive into the importance of that. It's a question I live with every day is, you know, my whole work is in that kind of gut brain world. And I think in medicine, what you can't see, you don't explore. So, for example, ovarian cancer, it's very hard to get to the ovaries, right? You can't see them. You can't examine them from the outside. So ovarian cancer usually is sometimes more progressed than than uterine cancer. Pancreatic cancer, which is very much on the rise, is an organ that you can't really get to, right? So my my feeling always is that what you can't see, you don't look at. And also mm. the pancreas, for example, if you have, uh, is broken into two different functions, an exocrine function 
and an endocrine function. So the exocrine function is the enzymes that it sends out to digest food. And the endocrine, right, is like insulin, glucagon. It's management of sugar. And, and the doctors who deal with that organ are two different doctors. So you might go to a GI doctor for the, um, you know, for the exocrine, but you'll go to, you know, a, you know, a endocrinologist for the endocrine. And so you don't even think of that one organ as having to do with sort of metabolism of food. So medicine is very siloed. And so I think it's just taken forever, um, even though the old adage is you are what you eat. It's just taken forever to people recognize that gut-brain connection. Mm. Um, so let me ask an obvious question. I think that when we think of autism, a lot of people want to know, are we seeing a rise? Are there more? And is it true that it's more prevalent in boys? So yes, it's, it's first of all, it's more prevalent in boys, about four to one. And, um, and it is on the rise. Um, now the statistics that they gather, uh, are somewhat, you know, uh, retrospective because that takes time for them to get those statistics. But, you know, the the latest ones from CDC, I think was one in 44. That's a lot of people. Mm. And, um, and I think it's a spectrum. So there's different places on that spectrum and there's more awareness now. So people will, if they're not sure, if there's some question about the diagnosis, sometimes people will get that diagnosis so they can get services. So if you want to get speech therapy or occupational therapy, having the diagnosis makes it easier to do that. But I think, yes, we're seeing it. I didn't go to school with any children with autism. Or did we, or did we, and there wasn't a name for it. I sometimes wonder about that. So I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think about ADHD, you know, and some of those impulsive kids. Yes. Mm -hmm. But autism, I, I don't think so. And now you can't go, I have a nephew who's now 20. So he grew up with children with autism in his classroom, et cetera. And he, you know, he knows, he sees it and he understands what that is and can recognize it when we're out, out in the world. It's different. Yeah. And, and would you say one of the top? You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
things you'll notice is they're very uncomfortable and nervous around crowds and people. Yes, very often. And that's that's one manifestation, right? So the socialization piece is is one of them. Um, and it's a big one. Yeah. So even when they're little, they do something called parallel play. Now we're, you know, we're generalizing now, but uh, where children will come together, but they'll play next to each other, not together. Yes, 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 yes. I've seen that. Um, yeah. Okay, listen, we're going to go into our next break. Stay with us for our Watch Team segment, and I'll be back with Dr. Joan Fallon, founder and CEO of CureMark. We'll be right back. Now, the Women to Watch, Military Watch. Hi, I'm Carol Egger, Senior Vice President of Military and Veteran Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. What makes us different makes us strong. That's the theme of this year's National Disabled Winter Sports Clinic. For over 36 years, the Department of Veteran Affairs and Disabled American Veterans hosts hundreds of disabled veterans experiencing miracles on the mountainside in Snowmass, Colorado. Veterans with traumatic brain injuries, spinal cord injuries, amputations, and other injuries are empowered and learn their limitations are only a matter of perception. Starting this weekend, the clinic is back after a two-year hiatus due to the pandemic. Once again, these wounded warriors and their caregivers will experience adoptive skiing, snowboarding, and other recreational therapy activities. As one veteran participant explained about the experience, it opens freedom and you're going to watch so many other people gain their own freedom. To learn more about supporting the National Disabled Veteran Winter Games Clinic, go to wintersportsclinic.com. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco and I'm speaking with Dr. Joan Fallon, founder and CEO of CureMark. Let's talk about CureMark. Um, first of all, I think it's incredibly um, courageous and challenging and scary to start a company, um, let alone a company like this that that's in medicine and science and have to fundraise and get people on board. Um, first of all, tell me the um, the moment you decided that you were going to do it. So, um, you know, it was a moment, but it, it was a lot leading up to that. So I when bet. I found this, um, this finding around this, uh, you know, the uh, enzyme deficiency, I did a lot of, you know, looking at children with autism, without autism, making sure that what I had found was not sort of a red herring to make sure that it was a, a good scientific Finding, I had uh, lots of my colleagues helping me uh, ultimately test children and uh, to see if they have this deficiency. And we ultimately amassed 1,500 uh, uh, individuals who we tested and uh, could, you know, back up what we had found, which I think is, is the science part of that. So I had very strong understanding that the science that we had was good that we were doing that. And now, then, what year was that, Joan? That what year? was, um, you know, 98 by the time we were. Oh, oh 90. Yeah. Okay. Right. So it goes back yeah. a ways. Yeah. Um, in 1999, we applied for a, a patent 
in that in that in that realm. Um, and it was allowed in 2003. And that's when I had some, you know, confirmation that someone else had looked at this. They saw the novelty of it. Um, and so I was practicing. I was going to back to school to learn how to do a clinical trial because I knew that I understood the kids, but I didn't really know all the pieces of a clinical trial, the ethics, all of those pieces. So Harvard Mass General had a uh, program at the Institutes of Mass General, which I went to. Uh, so I commuted back and forth to Boston and was writing patents at the same time. And, um, you know, I had friends who just watched this going on with me as I was doing this like 24 seven. And they're like, okay, you've got to stop this and just go do it. You, if you think that this is something that's important, which I did just go do it. How so, exciting was it to see, you know, the results and know that you were onto something. It was very exciting. It was very exciting. And then, you know, even as the results came in from the different children, it, my, my staff would get excited because it was meaningful. And the numbers were just going up and up and up. And my feeling was, look, if this can help these children, then I have to do this. If I don't do this, I'll never know if it can help the children. So what stage is CureMark in today? Where, where is the company? Is so we're, we, we've completed two phase three uh, clinical trials. Okay. And we're looking to submit our application. Okay. With FDA. So it's, it's, we're a long way down the road. And already working on probably some more therapies? Yes, yeah. we have. Yes, we have over 350 patents. Wow. That cover not just autism, but other, other conditions where I think that there, there are, are linkages and then things that we found along the way, which I think are, are also important um, uh, scientific discoveries. So that patent portfolio is, is uh, worldwide. Wow. I want to I want to talk more about you uh, okay. yourself. Um, you were named one of the top 100 most intriguing entrepreneurs by Goldman Sachs. Now, tell so y your work is becoming recognizable. Your reputation, your name. Um, I thought it was interesting they used the word intriguing entrepreneurs. What when when you got that recognition? How did you feel? Were you surprised or? Did you feel validated? How'd you feel? I was because I it didn't. I you know it's not something you apply for, right? They just tell you that that you had received this. Yes, and I think that they see so many different opportunities that people are working on. They see all of that kind of uh, companies that are working on things, and I think they do get to see some of the best. So it was very very much a big honor for me to um, to be a part of that. Um, I wish I, it was during the pandemic. So I wish uh, that we could have all been together yeah. and I would have met some of those people in oh, person. Yes. But nonetheless, it was it was a it was a great. Honor. Yeah. Um, and, I yeah. want to talk about your book and and um, goodbye status quo. Um, what made you decide to write it? I know I, I heard in an interview that you spoke about throughout your entire journey. There's so much you have learned. Um and recognized, and that you actually took notes, which I thought was really interesting. And then you decided to put it all on paper and share it with the world. 
tell us about the book and why. Yeah. yeah. There's so many good lessons in it. So I'm an entrepreneur older, right? So I'm older as an entrepreneur. So I've had different life experiences that many of the younger entrepreneurs have had. And each thing was a meaningful moment for me, Uh, whether that was a good, you know, whether the moment was a good one or it was not a good one. The lessons were vast. And I thought that, um, and they were in different areas because we deal with, you know, fundraising, we deal with manufacturing, um, science, all of those things. And so I had a lot of learning to do and a lot of learning to do about myself because you can't be a good entrepreneur without understanding who you are. Yeah. And that's really key mm-hmm. and growing yourself because mm-hmm. you can't grow a company until you grow yourself. Is, is that self-analyzing or, or self-actualization, did it come later for you in life? No, I think that I, that's kind of how I've lived my life. But this is like on hyperspeed because things happen so quickly and there's so much going on. And there's a lot of change in the world. So you have to adapt to that change. And so uh, I've always been that way. I've always taken the things that I've learned very seriously. Uh, but this was so much and in such a different area for me that I thought it was important to remember uh, the things that I've learned. Um, and some of them, you know, have been missteps along the way. And some of them have been great, you know, you know successes. And I think that we learn from both. How about your experience as a woman in a field that is predominantly male? That's a whole other story. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Should we save that for the next segment? We will do yeah. that. I, ju- I do want to hear right. about what that experience and how, you know, in spite of that, you continue to move forward. You know, that wasn't something that was intimidating for you. And, and I always want listeners to hear that. Um, Stay with us for our watch team, and we'll be back with Dr. Joan Fallon. Now, the women to watch. Marketing Watch. Finding your brand's purpose. Hi there, my name is Diana Barnes, or DB as most people call me, and I'm the Chief Brand Officer and Creative Director at Munchkin, the world's most loved baby lifestyle brand for over 30 years. We know that companies who give back to causes that are important to their consumers tend to grow faster, have increased brand loyalty, and attract top-tier talent. But what if your company's corporate giving is fragmented or non-existent? The former was the case when I joined Munchkin seven years ago. The company made donations to organizations, but there wasn't a strategic approach to its giving efforts. Sometimes a company's choice for philanthropic support, commonly referred to as CSR or corporate social responsibility, is evident. A shoe company donates sneakers to children in need, for example. At Munchkin, we leaned into less obvious choices. Just like the parents that use our products, we're concerned now more than ever about the world we're leaving to our children. Ensuring that at-risk and endangered animals survive for future generations is a primary pillar of our CSR. Our product line, Wild Love, infuses our devotion to animal welfare with our most successful products, our 360 Miracle Cups. The line is solely focused on educating families about these at-risk species and supports our biannual donations to the International Fund for Animal Welfare. Our philanthropic efforts also support Trees for the Future and the building of the world's first whale and dolphin safe haven through the Whale Sanctuary Project. We make these contributions because it's important to our founder, 
our employees, and our consumers. When I tell people where I work, they either recognize our brand from our most popular product, the No Spill 360 Cup, or they know us as the baby brand that cares about animals. Either is a win-win in my book. When it comes to defining CSR efforts for your company, don't be afraid to look beyond the obvious places or ways to give. Commit to a cause and to ongoing long-term donations. Find reputable organizations to give to by searching on GuideStar or Charity Navigator. Get your employees involved with volunteer opportunities and share milestones and accomplishments with your consumers. After all, they're the ones that make the giving possible. To learn more about all of Munchkin's CSR work, please visit us at munchkin.com. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm with Dr. Joan Fallon. And Joan, just before the break, I had brought up, you know, uh, your experience as being a woman in a predominantly male industry, which I guess would be science and and medicine. Um, Something you had said that might relate to this that I wanted to talk to you about. There was a time um, in your career, you were speaking with your brother, and you were talking about the fact that Sometimes when you go into a room and you, and you are the only woman there, um, you're clearly not treated the same and that people often mistake kindness for weakness. I think that's pretty common for women. Talk to me about that and, and you know, how you feel that we can overcome it. In other words, you know, to me, kindness is the complete opposite. Right. If you if you're doing that, you you're a very confident, strong person, but that's not how it's viewed. No. Um, and so I think that in my last life, you know, I took care of patients. I had my own reputation. I did a lot of lecturing and I never felt that kind of, um, I don't even want to really call it sexism, but that's really what it is. Um, in that life I've persevered in sports. You know, I go to the Yankee camps that they have, uh, in January where I'm the only woman playing with 150 guys. So I never let that sort of intimidate me. But going into these boardrooms um, with the men, they put you in a kind of a box and label you, you are this. So, you know, while I dress, you know, professionally, I don't necessarily have a suit on. Um, I'm not wearing heels. I hug people. I'm, I'm nice to people. I smile. I'm not gruff. They don't know how to deal with that. And so very often I found them talking to my intern, my male intern, before they talk to me. Or they'll direct wow. their look at, at him rather than at me. And it was my brother. I said to him, you know, Jay, like, what the heck? Like, what's what's going on here? Why why is that happening? And he says to me, ah, Joan, they're like mistaking your kindness for weakness. And they're just count, discounting your... Yeah, you're a, you're a, a smart, brilliant scientist, but you know you can't do this business thing. And mm. um, he said, you know, you need to disarm them with it. He said because you'll come back to them with your deep knowledge of what you're doing financially, et cetera, and that will, you know, get their attention. And 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 it yeah. did. And so I never felt. I just knew that was something I had to deal with uh, over time. You know, it reminds me of. Uh, we talk about soft skills and intuition, which I believe women innately have. And that is such a powerful 
tool that leads to some of the discoveries you've made, this knowing, right? And recognizing and seeing something. Talk about that. So being able to look at slight differences in things, you know, measuring the, the space between two things is really important. And sometimes it gets very discounted or overlooked. And I think women have a better, you know, ability to do that. Um, I'm making very big generalization, but I think that they pay attention to those differences in a way that men don't always do. And, uh, and as a result of that, they have a lot of insight. And so I think that uh, it's kind of how I've always operated is looking at two different things. Um, you know, I remember going to New Zealand one time and they asked me to go see a child in the hospital. And the child was, was quite lifeless on a feeding tube, um, and was in the hospital, I think for almost two months, uh, and they didn't know what was wrong with the child. So I looked at the chart and all the testing the child had, had done, et cetera. And I looked at the child and there was a big difference between what was in the chart and what I was seeing in the crib. And so I said, you know, there must be something missing here. And, uh, indeed when I held the child and examined the child, the child had a overlap of the suture here, um, like a, what they call a cranial synostosis or a cranial dysplasia. And that overlap locked the bones of the, of the head and the, the brain could not develop, a lot of pressure on the brain. And as soon as I started playing with that, the child started to suck. Wow. And so, when you say an overlap of the suture, so when, what do you mean? So when the baby is born, right, the, the sutures, I mean, the, the cranial bones overlap and then they open and there's usually that soft spot, right, on the top of the, the baby's soft, head. Yes, now. yes, there yes. There was no soft spot. It was locked. Oh. The bones were locked. Wow. Creating wow. pressure. And they ultimately did surgery to relieve that and the child was fine. Wow. So I, I think that looking at those differentials are really important. When you see one thing and what you're reading doesn't make sense to two things, that's what I think is important. I think we yeah. can do that really well very often. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit, of, Joan, about how it, working with children, how they have been affected emotionally by COVID? Wow. So I, I think we can look at children from very young ones to college age children, right, who are now young adults. And I think it affects yes. all of them. I think we are seeing the the kind of the fallout of mental health issues where the lack of socialization at a time, especially when children are expected to learn those social skills, that they're uh, you know very involved with their peers, all of that stopped for almost two years. And that's really hard on them. Children who, um, it's hard to read their facial expressions, right? Because you've got a mask on. Uh, speech, yeah. right? Part of speech is watching people articulate. Children miss that. So there's a lot, we're going to see a lot of issues going forward because of these last two years. To be optimistic, do you, sometimes I think children are more resilient than adults because of their lack of knowledge, right? So they, they might be able to pivot and adapt. Um, would you agree with me? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I, I think we'll see delays in learning and other things, but the children will, they will bounce back. Yeah. That's for sure. 
They are very resilient. Yeah. In in your day to day, Joan, can I ask you, are you a spiritual person? What what do yeah. you go to in, you know, uh, to, to manage the stress that we've all been under for the past couple of years? So I have, you know, I have a deep faith in the universe, in, in the world, that things, you know, have a way of, you know, when the pendulum goes one way, it comes back the other way. So I rely a lot on that. Mm-hmm. Um it's not an organized faith, but it's something that I have always considered myself very spiritual from a very, very young age. And and look at the best part of everyone as I as I meet people in my life. Yeah. Well, it's working. That optimism is working for you. And and I thank you so much for taking time to share your story with our listeners and wish you continued success. Thank you. It's been an honor. I really appreciate your time and what you're doing to promote women and to to open up the world for them. Oh, thanks, Joan. Thank you. That's it for another week of Women to Watch. Thanks for tuning in and stay tuned next week for my interview with Marion Wheeler, um, International Leadership Advisor. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.